0: And happy new year. Welcome to the You Don't Have to Be Perfect podcast, an authentic space to talk about life in truth and love. We all know that 2020 has been quite a year. And I just wanted to encourage you in this new year to remember that flipping the calendar has no magic in it. But there is a God who knows exactly the plans he has made for you. So the best thing that any of us can do is to seek him. Let me share with you Matthew 6 33 to 34. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself each day has enough trouble of its own. Well, I think we know that's really true, don't we? So friends, let's stop clinging to what we think is right or wise, and let's seek the one who is right and wise. It's true. Not everyone is an Enneagram One Perfectionist, but it is my firm belief that our world today suffers from a lot of the destructive and deceptive lies that perfectionism has to offer. That is why this podcast will encourage, empower, and uplift you. You've heard it said, we are our own worst enemy. I'm sure, like me, you know this to be true. What you may not be aware of is that it hurts you more than anyone else out there. For those of you brand new here today, perfectionism has destructive habits that play a negative role in our lives. Perfectionism can hold us back and force us to live from a place of fear instead of love. Perfectionists have good qualities too, but only when they are functioning from a healthy perspective. Perfectionism frequently lies to us by keeping us in a not-enough zone, because when you strive for the impossible goal of perfection, you will always find yourself in the lack. Thank you for joining me here on the You Don't Have to Be Perfect podcast. I'm really excited to share these series of mini-series with you, and the first one is The Prodigal Son. And so I thought it would be fitting before we get started and talk with my guest, Jennifer Hayes, that I would read The Prodigal Son for you, just to give you some good context in case you've never read it or maybe it's been a long while. So here we go. The Prodigal Son, Luke 15, 11 to 32 And he said, A man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. So he divided his wealth between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together and went on a journey into a distant country. And there he squandered his estate with loose living. Now when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country. And he began to be impoverished. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country. And he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating. And no one was given anything to him. But when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread but i am dying here with hunger i will get up and go to my father and will say to him father i have sinned against heaven and in your sight i am no longer worthy to be called your son make me as one of your hired men so he got up and came to his father but while he was still a long way off His father saw him and felt compassion for him, and ran and embraced and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fattened calf kill it and let us eat and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and has come to life again he was lost and has been found and they began to celebrate now his older son was in the field and when he came and approached the house he heard music and dancing And he summoned one of the servants and began inquiring what these things could be. And he said to him, Your brother has come home and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he became angry and was not willing to go in. And his father came out and began pleading with him. But he answered and said to his father, Look, for so many years I have been serving you "'and I have never neglected a command of yours. "'And yet you have never given me a young goat "'so that I might celebrate with my friends. "'But when this son of yours came "'who has devoured your wealth with prostitutes, "'you killed the fattened calf for him. "'And he said to him, "'Son, you have always been with me, "'and all that is mine is yours. "'But we had to celebrate and rejoice.' For this brother of yours was dead and has begun to live and was lost and has been found. Jennifer, thank you so much for coming back to the You Don't Have to Be Perfect podcast. I'm so excited to continue this, you know, mini series with you about the prodigal son. And I'm really excited to um, talk about a new character today. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so let's let's get into it. Thanks so much for having me back, Vanessa. I've been looking
1: forward to this one. So last week, uh, we talked about the younger son. This week, we're talking about the older son, whom I have a very reluctant kinship with. I'm, I was very um, upset to discover that I'm very much like the older son. <laughs> me too. Uh, I, really, I really see a lot of myself in, in this dear heart, uh, and I get him. I get him. So, uh yeah, let's dive in. Let's talk about the older boy.
0: Yeah. Well, real quick, I'll say I re- I remember distinctly every time this was brought up in Sunday school or like youth group, I always was with the older brother. I'm like, "Dude, I feel you. Like I get yeah. that." <laughs> so, so I'm right there with you and I'm excited to see what you have for us.
1: Yes. So just to um, recap quickly before we we do some comparing and contrast here, last week we talked about the younger son and how he had no moral or material restraint and that he was extravagant with himself and it led him to a desolate wasteland where he might have been being, he might have been able to survive, but he wasn't satisfied, he wasn't satiated it was um, a pretty bleak um, existence there so this week talking about the older son I thought it was interesting that the older son didn't actually know that his younger brother had come home until hours later Mm -hmm. and the party is in full swing so this means that the father had time to see his son coming in the distance ran to him to close the gap, had this elaborate display of forgiveness and and affection, sent the servants to prepare this party, to prepare the fattened calf. Like if we just think in terms of how much time this would take, they have to go chase down a calf. Mm -hmm. Then they have to kill it. Then they have to prepare it. Then they have to cook it. Like this is hours and hours you know, to get this party going and have the son redressed. And and so, and the, the older boy had no idea. Where was he? He was way off in the field, working, his fingers to the bone. And he comes home at the end of a long, hard work day. And here's the party in the distance. Mm-hmm. And something that I found interesting is that he didn't go straight to the father to ask him what was up he went and asked one of the servants and that stood out to me i i think you know why didn't he go straight to his dad and say what's going on like you know what's happening what am i missing um he didn't he went to a servant and that's really telling about how this older son felt about his position in the family and his relationship to his father that for whatever reason he didn't, it didn't occur to him or he didn't feel comfortable or whatever, going straight to his father to ask a very basic question. Right. Um, so that, uh, I thought that was really interesting. And, and, uh, I wonder how often we think that way without realizing that we're not like, what are things that we don't go to the Lord with? hmm That maybe we go to a fellow believer or we go to Google or Mm -hmm. uh, we think that we have to figure it out on our own. What are those things that we don't feel uh, comfortable or qualified or are worthy of going straight to our Heavenly Father with?
0: Well, I'll tell you um, personally, like I would consider myself now someone who brings everything to the Father, right? Mm Yep. Yep. But there are times where I realize I haven't brought it, this simple thing, or like this thing that's not really, I mean, it's not like this gargantuan problem or anything. It's just, I realized I didn't bring it to him because I was afraid of what he was going to say. Um, like, oh no, is he going to have me do this? Oh. Now, now, this is not a common thing for me. It happens every once in a while, and I'm like, oh my goodness, how silly. And I laugh at myself. I'm like, how silly? Why don't you just ask God? <laughs> but one of the things, and you actually know it, um, was my my book title. Mm-hmm. The title for my book. I'm like asking people, okay, um, here's some options I have. What are you thinking? Now, there's nothing wrong with that. Like that's a pretty common thing to do, you know. You poll people, uh, especially in the type of work that I'm doing, writing a book. Like, obviously, other people are going to read this book, so so it's not that weird to ask people. Hmm, what title strikes you better? But so I don't think initially that was wrong. But then I realized I wasn't getting anywhere. Like I had a lot of good. Um, uh what oh, I can't think of the word um suggestions there okay. mm-hmm. I've lost the word suggestions I had a lot of good suggestions and I and I played around with some but none of them were like quite it I was like no you know what I really want the original title that I like or not the original but like the one that what that, that uh, the
1: first place mm-hmm.
0: yeah yeah the one that I had switched it to you know months back I was like no that's the name of this book Like, it just is. And so, um, I, you know, I was talking with a friend and I thought, you know what? I, I haven't prayed about it because I was like, well, I think this is the title, but I don't know. I'm still trying to decide. And then she's like, well, I mean, just pray about it. I'm like, oh my gosh. Why didn't didn't I think of that? (laughs) I didn't do that. Like, I'm over this, you know? Who, Who knows your reader better than the one who made them? exactly <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and here's the other thing is that i had prayed several times like okay lord um this is the word this is the book that i feel you've called me to write right mm-hmm. now um am i right like is this is this what you want me to work on and every time it was yes mm-hmm. so it wasn't like i wasn't consulting him about the book it was just the title <laughs> right <laughs> but it's yeah. funny because in my mind, it, it is like exactly this brother, like what he did. It was something that he felt like he just couldn't ask the guy, you know, yeah. he couldn't ask God. Like this uh, isn't an important enough question. or yes. I can't waste
1: his time with this little thing. Or, you know, like it's just, or for just whatever I mean, there, there's a thousand reasons why different people will feel like God is not approachable with certain questions or certain topics.
0: Yeah. Simply put, it was like, I didn't think I needed him for that part. Right. I can (laughs) figure this part out on my own. Yeah. Like let's, let's just let the readers decide. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And
1: then the, our reactions to that too, I see in the older son in that when he finds out the answer to his question, he doesn't like it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? And he actually has a really strong reaction, um, to, to what the party was about and what it was for. And he was really angry and he stormed out of the house. Mm-hmm. And this is the next part that I I've heard my whole life, but didn't really grip me. And I didn't f- fully feel the weight of it until, Um, the Lord pointed it out to me just a couple of years ago, um, which is that the father went out after the older son. He did not go out after the younger son. He didn't go down to the pig pen and try to coax him out of there and try to Mm. win him back and get him to come home. He stayed home and watched out the window for his younger son to come back to him. Mm. But when his older son stormed out, He went out after him and he didn't do what I would have done or what I would have expected from my parent and what I would have done as a parent, which is wag my finger at my child and say, listen, you, you need to get your act together and change your attitude. This is what we have been praying for. Mm -hmm. And now it's finally happening. And what is wrong with you? Mm -hmm. But he didn't do that. He was really gentle with his older son. And um, I did a little bit of a word study because in verse 28, it says that the father entreated him. And I love that word, entreat. And the the Greek word for that, uh, parakelio, is to call near, to invite, beseech, comfort, and exhort. And I thought, what a beautiful picture of what God's correction is actually like. Mm. And I think often we confuse the feeling of being corrected with the spirit of the correction, and they're not the same. So we think because it doesn't feel good to be corrected, that the correction must be harsh, Mm -hmm. or that it was angry, or that it's a criticism. But that isn't the nature of God's correction, Um, for us. And this was a particularly important epiphany for me because not only did this change my understanding of God's grace and, and my relationship with him as a father and child, it changed my relationship with the Lord in that regard, but it also changed my relationship with my own children and how I view disciplining them. And it was, it was a light bulb moment for me because until that, Uh, Moment, I thought that in order for my children to learn and and be repentant, um, they had to know I was angry. They had to somehow feel my displeasure Mm -hmm. at their behavior or their choice. And this understanding the nature of God's correction, by the way, this father corrected his older son, it says, with comfort. And exhortation and invitation to draw near. That he was inviting gently and lovingly, inviting his son into a new perspective, into his perspective, and to have his thinking be changed and his mind be transformed. And that is parenting with grace. Not that we're never angry, and there are many, many instances in scripture where we see that the Lord is very clear about his wrath. But his correction is not violent and it's not um, harsh. His his discipline is always from a place of love. And um, it changed my idea of, of how I parent because I realized I don't have to yell to get my child's attention. I don't have to have my child feel my wrath and my anger in order to know that what they did was wrong. And so even though there are still consequences and my children feel those consequences deeply and they have big feelings and strong reactions to those consequences sometimes, I don't need to be projecting that in a spirit of anger in order for them to feel that consequence and to have a change of heart and mind. Mm -hmm. So that was really like particularly profound in my Understanding of my relationship with the Lord, in that He is never harsh with me. He's clear with me, but He is not harsh
0: with me. Mm. Yeah. I like that picture. Yeah. Because, um, I mean, I've just had a really hard time m- my whole life trying to understand what it looks like if god's mad at me or if he's mm-hmm. loving me or if like like i mean i just came out of something like that where i'm like are you are you mad like yeah. <laughs> and um anyway so i will i won't dive into it very far but it's just um it's a good thing to highlight and to remember and to apply i yeah. think daily just like God's, God's correction is not harsh. No. And uh, there's something else that you said that is sticking in my brain. And I know I have to go back to it. Um, When you said the father went after the older son, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He didn't go after the younger son. He stayed home and he, you know, he waited out the window or whatever. Right. Yeah, I'm getting tons of parallels here that are like so clear that they they have to be. You know, what I mean? and then I'm like, oh yeah, well, this parable was told by Jesus. <laughs> but, but I I I think about this so much. Um, you know, people that have been hurt and they they're like, well, I don't think you know God's very kind. I feel I feel like he's left me. I feel you know that kind of an attitude. And I'll try to say, but God doesn't leave his children. I'm like, you may have wandered out of where he wants you to be. And that's why you don't feel him. But he's there waiting for you, for you. to come back. And so, and he will accept you. That's the thing. As soon as you turn around, he's going to be there with his open arms. And that's exactly what we have in this parable. And you, you had said it. Um, and then I was thinking about how the older brother, how he went out after him. It's like, well, wh- why did he go after him and not the younger brother? And I think it's because proximity, mm-hmm. uh, the older son hadn't really left, you know, he was yeah. just cooling off, you know, he wasn't yeah. going to, uh, and so he was still in the proximity of the father. Yeah. Whereas the younger son left that proximity. And it just, I don't it just kind of, oh, it was really loud to me when you said yeah. that. And it yeah, it was, it, it, his, the younger son was
1: geographically far from his father. The older son was emotionally far or um, like in his mind, he wasn't aligned with his father. So yeah, just like you say, pr- proximity and, and the heart of the older son was to serve his father.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He, because he loved his father mm-hmm. and he wanted to serve him well. And he was working hard because he thought that's what, what would please his father. And so we have this really interesting um, compare and contrast between the two sons because the younger son felt that grace was owed to him something was owed and mm-hmm. he demand he demanded what he felt was owed to him and squandered it the older son thought grace is earned and was working like a dog to earn it the younger son didn't understand his value in the of the value of his family position the older son didn't understand the nature of his position in the family.
0: Mm.
1: The younger son was extravagant with himself. The older son was extravagant with no one, not even himself.
0: Mm.
1: So the younger son had no personal standards, no moral or material restraint, but the older son had no personal kindness because he couldn't be extravagant even with himself He was in a moral and material bondage. Not enough restraint, too much restraint. Not enough restraint led the younger son to a a wasteland. Too much restraint led the older son to bondage, to an imprisonment, a feeling like he had to work hard. So the younger son uh, found himself in an environmental wasteland. But the older son found himself in an internal or spiritual wasteland, and what I find um, really interesting—I this light bulb this moment this morning actually while I was thinking through this passage for today's podcast—the younger son found himself in moral poverty. The older son found himself in a spiritual or relational poverty, and that made me think. Um, back to the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And I love this because often we hear this verse misquoted and we hear it, um, blessed are the poor. Mm -hmm. And we attribute that to uh, material things and people who are living in poverty. But that is not what it says. It says the poor in spirit so people who realize that spiritually they are poor that in and of themselves they have they have a wasteland they have nothing they bring nothing they take nothing they have nothing in and of themselves to offer god to earn their grace and that that grace is not owed to them so those people that are poor in spirit recognizing that, they are, that spiritually they have nothing to offer. Those are the people who inherit the kingdom of heaven. Inherit. Inheritance. Mm-hmm. What a beautiful picture of the relationship between poverty and inheritance. So the younger son, um, morally poor. The older son, spiritually poor. And when both sons recognize their poverty, they both receive an inheritance. Such a beautiful picture to me in realizing that, um, that inner state.
0: I've always thought that the blessed are the poor in spirit was such an interesting passage. You know, like that whole thing. I've, I've always been like, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it, sounds, it sounds like such a negative thing. Um, poor like deficit you know and then even poor in spirit it's like well how is that a good thing mm-hmm. when aren't you supposed to be spirit filled right so like it's it's always been a really weird um line in that yes uh for me and I've always kind of been like okay I think I get it <laughs> yeah because it's poor in my own spirit Mm-hmm
1: but full of the God, the spirit of God or the Holy spirit, right?
0: Like uh,
1: you, the, the more I recognize that I don't have anything in and of myself to offer God to earn my salvation. The more I realize that the more room there is for his spirit.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that, and, and, uh, the way that you had been explaining it, uh, with the, both of the brothers, I was like, yeah, that makes so much more sense. Like you're, you're so empty in a, in yourself Mm -hmm. that now you have room for what is supposed to be there. Right. The spirit of God. So, um, yeah, that's, that's really cool. And I just think, I'm glad that you brought that up because I think it's, um, a really helpful thing to explain. Yeah. Especially since uh, what I just said, like, I'm sure it's confused many people like what does that even mean you know know what the Beatitudes are I just
1: love that passage and it's it's one that I've I've um been chipping away at a little bit more in depth uh lately just given this libel (laughs) that I'm like what I wonder what other ones I've misunderstood (laughs) right so yeah and it's just um it was just such a beautiful reminder to me and um A few uh, weeks ago, I was reading through the Old Testament, and they're kind of running together now. I can't remember if it was Deuteronomy or Numbers, but Mm -hmm. when the Lord was talking to the Israelites about the promised land that he wanted to bring them into, that he wanted bring them into Mm -hmm. and how he said maybe three or four times in a row this land flowing with milk and honey and how their um, offspring or their descendants would enjoy the the abundance of this land which they did not get for themselves Mm -hmm. and he said it like three or four times in one chapter he kept repeating this line which they did not get for themselves or so and he was underlining this you know you didn't create this land you didn't plant and harvest and cultivate and work and like you did not produce this Mm -hmm. this is something I am giving you that you did not work for Mm -hmm. and he says that that they did not work for and I love that because um, later on we, we, As we see with the Israelites, there was a sense of entitlement of like that God, we're owed this because we're God's special chosen people. And we're mm-hmm. owed that. And Korah and his family um, felt that they, because they were part of the priesthood, that they were entitled to the same privileges that Aaron and his sons had. And so we see this like interesting tension too between how God lavishes and pours out his abundance and his provision and how um, we recognize that we've come from slavery and that we don't, we haven't done anything to earn this and we didn't do anything to make or create it and get it for ourselves. And yet at the same time, we still fight this feeling of feeling entitled to it Mm -hmm. and feeling like, you know, not appreciating the value of it and being having a wasteful attitude. And this is the same struggle that we see between these two sons, this, these two sides of the same coin in, and both of them not realizing or not recognizing that the inheritance, the value, the abundance, the richness, the joy, the provision is in the relationship with our father,
0: mm, yes, yes, and you know what? This week, this week, um, I, I was like in my car praying and like journaling. You know, I had my little notepad or whatever, and I was just like, I, I've, I've already had this realization many times, but it's like every time I have it in that way, it's it's like almost like brand new and so impactful and so like, oh my gosh, that's right. Why do I keep forgetting that? And it was this, it was, I do have everything I could ever need because I have Jesus. Yes. Now that is a very hard thing to live in every day on this earth because nothing about the way this world functions uh clicks with that everything is more 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 lack 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 so so it's like completely opposite of what I just said right it's like completely doesn't fit in any way And, and even even people that I have known for most of my life they're like Mm, yeah, but still, you gotta have. And I'm like, no, no, you really no. don't. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, don't tell me that because I just remembered the truth again, yeah. and I just understood it again in a real way that like washed over me. Yeah. And so for me, it comes in um, like, oh, physical. Provisions, like thing, yeah. tangible things, where I'm like, okay, Lord, um, I know you, will pro- you will provide, you always do, and mm-hmm. He always does. However, I also know that His provision might look different than mine, mm-hmm. and and so the best thing for me to do is surrender all my expectations. Mm-hmm. And, and say, whatever you give me, God is exactly what I'm supposed to have. Yeah. Um, and see, again, in this world, even as a writer, that doesn't stick well, because you know, pe- well, you have to do this and you, and you, and, and you have to make enough money so you can do that. And, and it always comes back to that. And, um, and I, I believe for me personally, like Satan uses that to trip me up and confuse me i don't necessarily it's not like i like change gears and like start being all worldly and striving and and all this stuff but it makes me like think too long when i already know (laughs) the answer yes but we're not that different from the israelites in
1: that Mm -hmm. we we know who god is we've seen what he can do and yet we still need basically constant reminders. Yes. Corrections to stay the course and to remember, to remember God and to remember what he has done. Um, And God is so loving and so gracious. One of my um, very favorite verses is from the Psalms and it says, the Lord remembers that I am dust. And I love that because it, it takes the pressure off me feeling like feeling the anger and frustration and self-condemnation of needing to be frequently reminded and corrected because God knows that yeah he knows what he made me out of yeah what do we expect of dust exactly we expect it to need to be cleaned up and cleaned up often (laughs) yes and the Lord the Lord knows that about me he knows that he formed me from dust he knows what dust is capable of. And his grace is sufficient even for that. And, and he anticipates my need for frequent, even daily corrections and
0: reminders. Hourly? Minute by minute? Hourly, yes. Every hour I need thee. <laughs> so, um, no, what you just said, the, those, um, those words that you just spoke are what I comfort myself with. Mm-hmm. Like, all I will speak to God. And be like, okay, you knew that I was going to need all this help. And Mm -hmm. like, I'll I'll even say like, I'm sorry that I forgot so quickly, Mm -hmm. but like, I don't know what else to do. Like, you're going to have to be the one that sustains me because I didn't try to mess up. You know, like I yes. didn't try to break any rules or misunderstand. I'm doing the exact opposite of that. And yet here I am still in dire need of my savior. Like, yeah, I'm so in need of my creator and, and I, and I know like, like sometimes, like I said, in my car that time, I can feel it and I can, and it's real. And it's like, yes, Jesus is all I need. It's so true. You know, like, and, and I, and I can embrace it and, and it feels amazing because it just changes your whole perspective, but yeah, you know, then you get back home and you're with your kids and you're, <laughs> you're <happy>. yelling again, <laughs> Yeah, and you're forgetting things and you're I mean, I had, a, I had a good day. I got home and I could feel I was getting really grumpy. Like, I just didn't want to talk.
1: Listen, we need to do a whole episode on what to do when your children are your anxiety trigger.
0: (laughs) There's a whole book here. Oh my goodness. That's actually a really good one because I have realized that that is a hundred percent (laughs) true. it makes me a hundred percent sad like I don't want it to be true so, but again but it's like what you said. if we're being honest and keeping it real yeah which <laughs> I always am right that's what this listen is about. I am the best
1: Christian when I'm home alone oh yeah
0: if no one's around me oh man I have yeah. a halo on it's shining super bright.
1: spiritual <laughs> I beside still water filling in green pastures
0: it's my so soul restored. <laughs> but then when there's one or more in my midst, I am not the same. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. oh, and you know, in those moments,
1: when just like you said a few minutes ago, um, just apologizing to the lord for your, for forget your forgetfulness or that you know you you're in the same place again and right on the heels of that i am i'm daily thanking jesus for his patience i just like there's so i mean there isn't anything to not be head over heels in love with about jesus character and how much he loves us but i am daily thankful especially for his patience mm-hmm. and for his grace that he pours out um, that I don't deserve, that mm-hmm. I have not earned, um, and but that he gives it abundantly anyway, and that he's so, so patient. And I'm finding, little by little, that the more I meditate on the patience of, of Christ, the more patient I'm becoming. Mm-hmm still a long way to go, still human. Let's keep it real. But I am, I can say, honestly, I am a different person now than I was even a year ago. Oh yeah. Just, just that one daily practice of meditating on the patience of Jesus and, and the grace of the father in this parable, in how he corrects sons and daughters that he loves has changed me. And that's just only one, that's only one attribute of God that, that has um, had a transformative effect on my mind and my heart just by meditating on that daily. And especially in the moments when you feel the least worthy to be in Christ's presence, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: after you've messed up, after you've been frustrated, after you've fallen short again, the last thing I feel like I want to do is come you know, head bowed, tail tucked into the presence of a holy God. And yet that is the time that I most need to be there. And that's the time that's the most critical. And I really feel like this is the difference maker between the character of our father becoming our character and not. I noticed that at the end of this parable, after the father entreats his older son, we don't know what the son chooses to do. The story stops there and we don't know what he decides. And I believe that's because we get to choose. And this is, this is God gave us free will. And this is we get to choose our own ending. And in order for us to transform our heart and our thinking to align with the character of our father costs something. We have to lay down our pride. That's painful. That's hard to do. That's no yeah. easy task. Like, let's not, let's not sugarcoat it. it. That's for most of us, if not all of us, that's the hardest thing that yeah. we'll ever have to do is lay down our pride and what we think is right or what we want to see happen and submit that to the Lord and humble ourselves. Yeah. It, it's, it's no easy task, but look what is gained By doing that, by submitting to that process versus what is lost when we don't.
0: And I I could not agree more. Uh, This morning I read this thing that said something about like, I think we're so fond of Mary because she did what we struggle to do. Something like that. It was about like she surrendered. Surrendered it. She surrendered and then she got to carry the Messiah. That's right. You know, um, and I, I mean I, I wish I could remember the quote better, but it was so good because I was like, that's right. Yeah. And and you're right. It I think surrendering our pride is the most difficult thing to do. And it's why we're we are where we are. It's it's why we function the way we do. Mm-hmm. It's why we choose fear over love. Like, you know, nine times out of ten. Like it's why it, it is. It's the pride and then Going back to what you said before, we're dust. So why do we have so much pride? You know, like, why do we even have that? Like, right. we're dust. <laughs> we are like, dust. We didn't and, you know, even. It, it comes right down
1: to, for both sons and for e- each and every one of us, what we feel we have the right to mm-hmm. and how we feel we got that right. Right. And that comes from the Garden of Eden because Adam and Eve felt that they had the Right to knowledge and they had the right to know good from evil and to know what god knows and uh, instead of surrendering what they felt they had a right to mm-hmm. they drew a line and and uh, demanded that right and look where it got us but these both these sons do the same thing the younger son felt that he had a right to his inheritance to spend how he pleased and Um, that he was entitled to that right. And the older son felt that he had earned that right. Right. And so in order for either one to to truly enjoy the abundance of their position as sons, they both had to surrender a right. Mm -hmm. The younger son had to surrender um, the right to indulge his desires. And the older son had to surrender um his right that he felt he had earned through the work of his
0: hands well you know what i would even argue i don't necessarily think he believed he earned it yet
1: possibly not
0: he didn't even he never asked he never asked that of his father he never said can i have a goat for my friends like he said that his dad never gave him one but he never asked
1: yeah, I think he was waiting for the gold star. He was waiting to be noticed and to be recognized and acknowledged for what he was doing and trying to get his father's attention through effort. Yeah.
0: And you then know. when you see someone that didn't work for it, get what he has hoped for. Yes. And he's like, what in the what? world? Like-
1: you did, Don't you see me and everything I'm doing for you over here? Mm-hmm. And yeah, there's, I mean to be fair too, to the older son, he, it came out in anger, but I really believe that he was deeply grieved because the younger son betrayed them. It was a betrayal. And because he loved his father to see his sibling spit in the face of their family would be deeply painful, I would imagine and that that really was a deep and profound betrayal and when we are betrayed it can either birth grace or it can birth bitterness and in the older boy it birthed bitterness because he wanted to see the son the younger son not get and he felt that because he had not betrayed the family and he had been a good boy a good hardworking boy. Um, again, it came down to what was earned and wanting to see people get what they deserved through the work or lack of work, or however you want to define that. And I, I, to be honest, I struggle with that a lot in my life of thinking man, you know, I've worked so hard to be a good girl all my life. Mm -hmm. Why is that person getting that particular blessing? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Or that kind, kindness or whatever it is. When, and then I feel unseen and unnoticed and like everything that I've done, all my effort, all my hard work has no value. Right. Feels like trash. Yes. (laughs) And and it's a, it feels like a betrayal. How could you, walk away from our family and treat us like that and then come waltzing back <laughs> and get the red carpet rolled out for you when all you did was hurt us. Mm-hmm. That's not what you deserve. Mm-hmm. And so I, I believe that the older son had a broken heart and often our grief over betrayal and hurt in those ways, it, it shows up as anger. hmm but it's really pain.
0: And you know what? Now that you brought grief back up, I was thinking back to the Beatitudes, the other one that's a little confusing. thats like, blessed are those who mourn for they will be yes. comforted, right? Yes. But I, this year I've understood that one more. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think it fits here. It, it's all about that understanding, that realizing that nothing you do is ever going to, get you those things that you're craving, right? Mm-hmm. Like it has to come from God. What you, what we really need is to draw near, mm-hmm. you know, what we really need is to go to the father. And so, um, when Jesus is speaking there, and he's saying that, I think that's what he's telling us. He's saying, Hey, if you're mourning and you're in me, you're going to be comforted. Yeah. Because it, it makes it sound like it's one of those, oh, well, like for anybody, right? Yeah. And I do think it is open to everybody, but, but they have to be in Christ. Like they have to be with Jesus. If they're with Jesus, they will find comfort. And I've had family members in the past and recently that have de- had devastating losses Mm -hmm. and they have the peace of christ Mm -hmm. like i'm not saying they don't have bad days but like they They have the comfort of his presence they shock me with how well they are handling it and i know and and they give all the glory to god Mm -hmm. and so i know that it's true
1: yes and that's exactly what the older father did the word entreat one of the defining words of that um, concept is to comfort, and that's exactly what he did, because he saw that his his son wasn't choosing a bad attitude out of spite; he was grieving something, yeah, and um, he he was in pain, and he went to restore. Now, when when we see past people's behavior to the heart of what's really going on in there, we'll realize that comfort is what's needed most of the time. An Mm -hmm. exhortation, a loving exhortation, not a harsh word and a line in the sand. And imagine how much, how it would have impacted that son and that relationship had the father responded the way I am prone to respond, which is with a wagging finger and listen, get your act together and smarten up. Yeah. If I miss the heart for the behavior,
0: all I do is make the gap wider. Right. Well, I really like how you just said, I think it's like a perfect segue in wrapping up this episode because Mm -hmm. the comfort and exhortation, if we're going to focus on that, um, then, you know, I want to leave the listeners with comfort and exhortation. Absolutely. And, and there were some things I jotted down while you were speaking that I think are very encouraging um, and, and, and exhorting, right? Like, like yes. just really helpful. And one of them was like a personal thing for me, like God's worked on me a lot Like how you had said, you know, you've come a long way, but you're still human. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I, I try to, even for myself, phrase things a lot. Like God's brought me a long way or God's done a lot of work in me, but I'm still going to be human, like for the rest of my life. And that I say as a comfort, as an encouragement, because when we know that we don't have to take the blow so hard, like. Like, oh, and then the, you know, resisting, humbling yourself when you've messed up because Mm -hmm. you're like, no, I don't deserve, I don't deserve God's love right now. Like, no, I'm just going to go punish myself for a little bit. Like that, I definitely know that. Um, And I'll, I'll like sense it and I'll be like, it's almost like the Holy Spirit's like, Vanessa, um, you're resisting my love. And I'm like, because I suck, you know, (laughs) like, because I totally, totally messed up something that I already knew how to do. And now I'm just really mad at myself. And so, um, it came out of last week. uh, One of my things that I say to myself every day is like, it does not make God happy when I beat myself up or tear myself down. He's not wanting me to punish myself. He's no. wanting me to know him, period. Yeah. Knowing him, because I could say he's wanting me to improve and, and get better and be, you know, follow all these rules that he's got and everything that Paul says, because Paul has a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> and so does James, like, oh my goodness. <laughs> and so um, I, instead of saying that, I'm like, no, no. God wants me to be with him. He wants you to be with him. And so, no, I do not believe there are um, clear cut like uh, equations on how you can live a godly life false. Like, I'm sorry, I've done the the math. It doesn't work out. It's about heart transformation,
1: not yes. just behavior modification.
0: Yes. Yes. That's it right there. And so, um, and then I was thinking the last thing was the patience thing, how you said, when you meditate on patience, the, mm-hmm. the patience of Jesus, let me mm-hmm. clarify. Then you, um, you find you have more patience for others. and I. I had like a, oh, you know what? It's totally true uh, moment because I think when we experience something or we're reminded of an example that Jesus gave, you know, in the word, it, it does, it softens my heart. Like, oh, you know what? I need to be more patient with so-and-so or I, you know, and, Mm -hmm. um, and it's coming from my heart like, it's it's this actualization of, oh, that's how, okay, yeah, that's what Jesus means. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, now, I can't be patient like Jesus every minute of the day. I wish I could. But then there's that pesky little thing be- that I'm human. And so, yes. because I'm human, that will never be like, oh, yep, I'm a patient human being 100% of every day. And you can be too. So that, to me, those are encouragements because it takes the pressure off that we put on ourselves. Yeah. To be better, you know, and um. And instead, just be closer. Yes, be closer. That's it. That's it right there. (laughs) That is it. Well, thank you so much for being here today. Oh, thank you for having me,
1: Vanessa. It's always such a pleasure.
0: I look forward to the next one as well.
1: Oh, me too. The Father is my favorite.
0: (laughs) Oh, goody. All right. Well, we'll talk soon. Okay. Thanks for being with me today. Let's keep practicing saying no to perfect and yes to truth. Take care.